0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God. Man, it is an honor and a privilege to be here. I'm excited. I can't believe Pastor Don hired me when I was 12, and so that's 10 years ago. Time flies when you're having fun, but uh, it was was an awesome opportunity to serve here on staff. We did the student ministries, and uh, in 2012, February, 2012, uh, we launched out to do Martin Ministries International. And we travel, like Pastor Don said, all over the world, all over the United States and preach Jesus. And so it's just an honor and a privilege to uh, get to do what you love. Amen. Uh, My dad, when I was a young man, he said, God told him to call me a mighty man of God and preacher. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of weird when he's calling you in for dinner. Dustin! Mighty man of God and preacher. But uh, friends are like, that's strange. But um, at any rate, man, I am. That's what we do. We travel all over and we preach and I'm just blessed to do. What God's called us to do. And so it's an honor to be here with you this morning. God's got a great word for you. And if this is your first time, I want to encourage you, make sure you come back. Don't judge the church on my account. You may come here and you're like, who who is this weird guy? Come back here, Pastor Don, at least give Tree three three opportunities to see if this is where you belong, if this is home for you and where you can get plugged in and God can use you and the gifts that he's placed inside of you. Amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning, and turn, if you will, to 1 John chapter four. 1 John chapter four. And as you're turning there, I wanna give a quick update here. Um, On the back table back there, we have our our book and our greatest hit CDs. I I sang a couple songs, and I'm just kidding. Everybody should sing, but not everybody should uh, record. Amen, praise God. And uh, with worship like this, didn't the worship team do a phenomenal job? Hallelujah, glory to God. Music like that, if loving Jesus is wrong, you don't want to be right, you know what I'm saying? Praise God, at any rate. We have a book back there that I wrote uh, uh, to just sow into people's lives. It's called Shed Abroad Travel Edition, mainly because I travel. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a small size. It, the idea was that you could put it in your book, in your pocketbook, or just take it with you to work uh, in the morning or at night. It's not a novel, it's a quick read. It's a 31-day devotional, but it was intended for you to get into and, and allow God to reveal how much he loves you. The greatest revelation that you can have as a believer is how much God loves you. We're gonna get into that this morning. And I believe that God's gonna quicken and reveal inside of you how much that he loves you. And so this book will be available for you out there. It's 31 days to take time to read and allow God just to love on you and quicken to you uh, the reality of how much he loves you. Amen. Praise God. How many of y'all got your Bibles? Y'all ready for the word? In 1 John chapter four and verse 16. 1 John chapter four and verse 16, our text this morning, I'm going to be talking about love dependent, being love dependent. In first John chapter four and verse 16, it says, and we have known, everybody say known. We have known, to get a little geek or Greek on you here, it's the word ginosko, it means to recognize, understand, and I like this, have intimate encounters with. We are to know and to believe the love that God has for us. You ought to be growing in the knowledge of how much God loves you. If you've never been told this, it's my job today to let you know God loves you. God is love and he who abides or takes up residence in love abides in God. This is so powerful. And God in him. It is a, the idea of being made one with God, a covenant relationship bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father God, it's the entrance of your word that gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So God, as I speak this morning, you take the words that I speak, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right upon the tablets of people's hearts, that we leave this place different than we came in, that we leave this place with ammunition, that which is needed to live a life that is above the reproach of the enemy, to live in the fullness of what you purchased for us through the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. We thank you in advance for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. When I was a young man in second grade, I don't know what year it was, I, uh, my family moved to Columbus, Georgia. Has anybody, anybody been to Columbus, Georgia? Wow! Okay, a couple hands. Awesome! Praise God. That's why we're here, right? No, I'm just kidding. Amen. It's a good place to be from. No, uh, just kidding. I love Columbus, Georgia. But we we moved to Columbus, Georgia, and my dad took a, a job there as an associate pastor. And uh, right there by uh, Columbus, Georgia, is Fort Benning, Georgia, where all the Rangers get trained and they do. Uh, they get their wings, and you know, paratroopers jumping out of airplanes. And so we had a lot of Rangers that went to our church. And one ranger, specifically, took a liking to our family and really engaged us in some of the activities of what it was like to be a ranger. Sergeant Andy Pounds—I'll never forget him. And so, Sergeant Andy, he would take us up many times for like two years. On my birthday, around the time of September, we would go down to Florida and we would do swamp walks and you know do aerial maps with red lights and stars and clicks and just you know doing cool stuff, carrying your backpack, going through the swamps and. Doing all the cool Ranger stuff, you know, and uh, without the drill sergeant. Come on, somebody say amen. And so, anyways, but, uh, uh, but one of the activities that we did is we, would, we learned how to repel. And so we didn't have like the, you know, the nylon harnesses. I mean, we made our harnesses out of rope and they had this huge wall that we would uh, uh, hook up to and they had the bars. You can even do the skids like you were jumping out of a helicopter and you could repel. There's probably, I don't know, maybe 10 of us guys that went with Sergeant Andy and we would go and learn and we learned how to repel down the side of these, these wood faces. Just outside of Columbus, Georgia, there's a place called Pine Mountain. And we'd go up to Pine Mountain, and as you're driving through, there would be this bridge that would cross over this huge 100-foot ravine that at the bottom had a railroad track that had been closed down. And so we would uh, pull over to the side just before that bridge, and we would go, and we would hook around a tree, and we would begin to repel down this 100-foot cliff into this ravine. And it's amazing that as you're hooked up to this tree and you've, you've done this before, you've repelled you've been on a wood face, but now you're leaning your body back over the edge of this 100-foot cliff. Something on the inside of you screams, what are you doing? You know, like this, I don't know if this is the wisest decision you've ever made. But I remember Andy Pounds as he would stand there and he's coaching us and he's encouraging us. He's like, man, all right, just lean back, lean back. I'm so bad, okay, I won't say that. Lean back and trust the rope, trust your harness. And as I got to thinking about this whole illustration, this idea of repelling back, your life and my life needs to be anchored to the love of God. It is the love of God in our lives that enables us to face any circumstance or any trial in our lives and to persevere and to make it through victorious. The rope is the illustration of trust. You have to trust your rope. You have to lean back and know I'm anchored. My rope's got me and I am able to lean back. And it's amazing that the position yesterday, I was in the office and in my office and I'm praying and just praying for you, praying for this service, believing God to give me inspiration. And, and all of a sudden I remember uh, 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 Sergeant Andy saying, Dustin, stay in the L position. And it went off on the inside of me. Stay when you're in life and you're trusting in God, because I love what uh, uh, Troy said earlier in worship, Proverbs chapter three and verse five and six in the Amplified Bible It says, trust in, lean on and be confident in the Lord. With what? All of your heart. We have to be and stay in the L position in a full dependency. Trust is simply a full dependency of God in your life. Because if there's one thing that God is saying to you this morning is simply this, I've got you. I've got you and I'll never let go of you. You can trust me. Why? Because Hebrews 13:8 says, "I God is the same yesterday, today and forever." If he was, he is and always will be the one that you can trust in because he is a faithful God. And you and I are called to stay in a trusting position. Lean back, trusting in God, knowing God, love, because we just read God is love. Love has you. And as I was thinking about this, when you're trusting, you're staying in the L position. And when you're trusting, watch this, you're resting. God spoke this to me some time back. He said, Dustin, that which wars against the will of God is self-effort. You trying to make your way in life. That which wars against the will of God is self-effort. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. Hate is a byproduct of selfishness. What is selfishness? It's all about me. What about me? What about me? What do I get? What are you going to do for me? Single ladies, all the single ladies, okay, why where'd that come from we 're in church, brother, just making sure you 're still with me. If a guy tells you, you complete me, run as fast as you can. if he tells you, baby i I need you, run as fast as you can. why? Because what happens when you stop completing him? What happens when you He no longer needs you. See, it's the I and you complete me. It's based upon a selfish understanding of love. That kind of love, that love, that natural love that is fickled and often subject to change is not what you're supposed to be basing your life on. You cannot anchor your life to it because it will let you down. It will fail you. But but see, God's love for you is not based upon you. God didn't make a decision to love you because if you read there in 1 John, it says, uh, know this, that in love, we love God. Not that we loved him first, but that he loved us. And he gave His son as a propitiation or the forgiveness of our sins. Listen, God, you love God because he first loved you. You know, in the Old Testament, the Bible told you to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That was the law. You know what the law's purpose was? Was to bring you to an end of yourself. In other words, I can't do it, God. I need help. And God goes, good, you got the message. Now here's the deal. I'm gonna send my son Jesus to the earth so that he can fulfill the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophet. I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So, you and I love God because Jesus, listen, for love to be seen, for love to be known, for there to be an understanding of God's love, there had to be two things there had to be willingness or humility, and there had to be obedience. And Jesus did both. He willingly went to the cross for you, He willingly said, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not what I want, not what I would choose, but God, your predetermined, already accomplished will. God, let that be in my life. Because of his willingness and his obedience, love, God's love was demonstrated towards you. I love that in Romans, what is it? Romans 5, 8 says, in that while we were still sinners. I like to say it this way, while you were still in your nasty Come on, somebody. While you were still in everything that opposed God, he came and wrapped his arms around you, said, I choose you, I love you. It's not based upon what you've done or haven't done. It's based upon my son and I love you and I'm embracing you. You know what's amazing about God's love? See, one of the greatest fears that you and I have is rejection. You know why people don't like standing up here? What if they don't like me? What if I get up there and they think I'm not cool? What if I don't say everything just right? They might not like me. I learned a long time ago, I'm not here to impress you because impressions are easily forgotten and they're easily dismissed. But I am here to impact you because when you've been impacted, you'll never be the same. I can't do it in and of myself, but by the Holy Spirit, I'll get up and do what I know to do is to preach the word of God. God will take the word of God and he'll change you from the inside out. And you'll leave here like you do every Sunday when Pastor Don or any of the ministers are speaking and you come out with ammunition that says, Satan, you're a liar, liar, pants on fire. You can't have my life. You can't live in my world. And I'm gonna live in victory over you. So when you're staying, everybody hold your hand up like this. Come on. Don't put it on your forehead. Come on, everybody, just, just leave it out in front of you. That guy said, I was a loser. No, I said, God loves you. Put your hand out. Say, I'm going to stay. Say this with you, I'm going to stay in the love position. Because when I'm, you can put your hand down. <laughs> when it, stay there the whole service. Like, man, my arm hurts. Keep your hands up. When you're staying in the L position, you're staying in the knowledge of how much God loves you. When you're staying in the love position, God gave me this yesterday, it's so good. I was having a good time praying for you. When you're love dependent, here's the acronym, L-O-V-E. You're living, overcoming, victorious, and encouraged with endurance. I know there's two E's there, but it's all right. Living, overcoming, victorious, and with encouragement and endurance. God's love must be the filter from which we live and through which we perceive and interpret the seasons and circumstances of our lives. Everything you're facing, everything that you're dealing with right now, those thoughts that are trying to rob your peace and bring you from the position that Christ has for your life, it must be taken through the knowledge of how much God loves you. God's love, watch this, God's love brings clarity and rhythm to our lives. It is what brings everything back to focus. If you'll take whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, whatever it may be, and take it through what you know to be true about how much God loves you, it'll bring it back to focus. It'll bring peace to your mind. It'll bring you back to a place of understanding. Listen to me. My God loves me. And if he loves me, this situation will not dominate me or overtake me because that which is in me, the love of God never fails. And it's that is which is in me is greater than that which is against me. You have to take it through the knowledge of God's love. Let me jump into these. I'm I'm excited because I didn't hit this first service. So you guys are special. Amen. Here we go. Here's how you know. That you're in the L-seated position, that you're in love. How much God loves me. I spent 2016, I'd I'd meditated on it before and I've studied it, but I spent 2016, and that's where this book came from, studying and meditating on the love of God. And I feel like I only scratched the surface of what God wanted to reveal to me. Ephesians chapter three says that you would be rooted and grounded, uh, 16 and 17, rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of God that passes all understanding. I like the message Bible says, the extravagant dimensions of God's love. You can never frustrate the love of God for you. You can never exhaust how much God loves you. You might push your wife or your spouse to the limits at times, but God is never exhausted in his love for you. The devil wants you to believe that you've gone too far and you've done too much. You may say, preacher, you don't know where I've been or what I've done or who I did it to, but God is saying to you today, I love you, and that has not even tapped the depth of how much I love you. There's an extravagant dimension to the love of God. I believe we'll spend all of eternity God revealing aspects of his love to us. That's why I said at the beginning, the greatest thing that you can do is have a revelation of how much God loves you. Every morning you wake up, you ought to look in the mirror and say, God loves you. I'm gonna live overcoming. I'm gonna live victorious. I'm gonna live in a state of encouragement and and, and excitement with endurance. Why? Because love lives on the inside of me. Watch this, how do I know if I'm resting in love? Because I wanted to say this real quick. Ephesians chapter one and chapter two talks about us being seated together with Christ in heavenly places. If you're in an L position, you're seated. Which means what? You're seated right now, which means you're resting you're resting. You know, when I'm, when you're repelling, one of the, the, the frustration, your, your body's telling you, dude, what are you doing? What's going on? And then if you don't trust, you'll begin to try. You'll begin to try to climb your way. And I remember going back to the story, Sergeant Andy Pound said, Dustin, what are you going to do? Climb your way back to the top? Get in the L position, relax, trust. Listen, the devil's always gonna try to get you, and I'm about to show you some things. It's always gonna try to get you to try to make it happen for you in your life. It's gonna try to make you not trusting, but trying. It's gonna try to get you to try to climb back up to the top. And if you're, one minister said it this, and I like it, if you're working, God's resting. But if you're resting, then God's working. I don't know about you, but I want God working on my behalf. I want God, the one saying, I got you, son. Just sit back, relax, get in the L position, live, overcoming, victorious, encouraged with endurance in this life. I got you. So, how do you know if you're in the L position? Three P's for you. Number one protection. I'm protected. Part of the meaning of the suffix pro is priority. Your protection is God's priority. With the things that are going on in this world, with all the things that are happening in our schools and just terrorism as a whole, I don't know about you, but if you are not convinced of the love of God, it'll begin to weigh on you and you can get into a place of fear where you won't wanna even walk out your door or even open the door because you don't know if there's a package that may blow up, come on. But when I know how much God loves me, I know that I'm protected. Look at 1 John chapter five and verse 18. It says, we know that whatever is born of God does not sin or makes sin a habitual habit or practice. But he who has been born of God or born of love keeps himself. If you study this verse out, it says this, whoever has been born of God, God love guards him and the evil one touches him not. Come on, somebody say, "Can't touch us <laughs> The devil can't touch you. He has no right. You listen. When I walk out the door, I don't know what you do, but I'm all over Psalms 91. Come on. I'm all over. Let me let me turn there real quick. I want to read Psalms just a portion of Psalms 91. Look at verse. Look at verse eight. Or uh, oh, that's. Surely, verse three, surely he has delivered you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You can't get in here. Why? Because I'm loved by God. I'm protected. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse three. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. The Bible says in 1 John four, it says that perfect love, complete love in you cast out and removes all fear. There's no fear in you. There should be no fear in you. Why? Because God loves me. And I'm protected from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Every time we drive off as we travel, sometimes we drive, my wife will say bumper to bumper, side to side. Father, we thank you for protection. The devil can't get in, over, around, or through to steal, kill, or destroy anything that belongs to him. The devil can't defeat you, but if he'll distract you and trying to make your way happen, then he can get in there and start bringing havoc into your life. But if you say, Satan, my eyes are on Jesus. My eyes are on the one, the author, and the finisher of my faith, the one that loves me and gave himself for me. You're not coming in, and no weapon formed against my family shall prosper. Well, you can always tell when somebody wants to doubt and and be in unbelief, they always come back, well, you know, I mean, I know this one time. Let me tell you something. Don't base what you believe on someone else's experience. Base your belief on the word of God. And I don't know about you, but I, my decisions come to believe that God loves me. And if he gave himself for me, then my decision is says, God, I thank you, according to Romans chapter 8, that you freely give me all things. You give me protection, everything that I need, because you've already given me your son. I thank you that I'm protected because you love me. Look at this, number two. You're protected. Number two, Provision. Provision, man, I love that. I, I may spend the rest of the time on this right here. This is so big on the inside of me. Two words, another part of the suffix of pro is advancement. He wants to advance. Watch this, pro-vision. God wants to advance the vision in your life. The vision that he's placed in your heart. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no revelation, or in the margin of my Bible, where there's no prophetic vision, the people run wild. We were created to require vision and therefore dependency upon God. Wherever there is a vision, there will be need. Wherever there's a vision, there will be need. I could ask you this morning, how many of y'all have a need this morning? I mean I'm like hands up feet up come on somebody I got I got some needs. You know what that means? That you have vision. There's vision in your life. You're going somewhere to happen. This statement of less for no more, you know, we don't need that much, brother, praise God, is a statement that lacks vision. I need a lot. Why? Because I'm not here for selfish ambition or what I need. I'm here to do the will of God. And if God's telling me to do something, there will always be need where there is vision. God gave tree of life a vision. We're gonna build a, a tree kids back there, new sanctuary. Why? Because we believe in reaching kids. Guess what? That vision required need or brought need. But here's the thing. God doesn't want you being the one that supplies the need for the vision. Y'all know the scripture, Philippians four nineteen. my God. Come on, my God shall do what? Supply all my need. You could say God supplies all my vision according to how much I work and how much I stress and worry. No, how, according to his riches in glory. Watch this. It is in the times that we don't believe that God really loves us, that we begin to think and act as if we are the source and the supply of the vision. I'm about to liberate somebody right now. My wife and I say this all the time. I know you probably won't like this, but it's okay, I love you anyways. I'm not the breadwinner of our home. I'm the breadwinner. Well, good for you, Bubba. You know, it's like, I'll tell you, I get up at four. I don't go to bed till four. I'm up all hours of day because I'm going to take care of my family. You're going to last till you're probably about, I don't know how old you are until you're about 40. And then, you, you know, it's like, man, I'm worn out. You need to get in the love position. You need to get in the L position. You need to get seated with Christ in heavenly places. You need to allow God to place a vision on the inside of you. And then you need to just, I'm going I'm to justify that statement. He's telling me not to have a job, praise God. I'm going home, hold down the couch and play Halo. Glory (laughs) to God. Listen, as we begin to think it's our responsibility, I heard this on Facebook and it's so good, watch this. Responsibility is your response to your ability. Is it your responsibility? Well, if it's your response to ability, watch this. The reason most get frustrated with financial concerns is because they are trying to respond with an ability that God did not give them. Why do finances cause so much havoc and trouble in marriages and in life? Why is it such a pressure upon humanity? It's because it is the response to an ability that you do not have. I don't have an ability to supply all my needs. That's not my job, that's his job. I was talking with this family one time and they were talking about how you know, we're, we're, we, we tried, we, we, and, and this is my endeavor. I thought this way. Oh, I thought this way. And God corrected my thinking that I want to train my children to go from being parent dependent to independent, right? I mean, it makes sense. So they what? Get out, they go get a job. They're not still sleeping in, the, in your house, eating your food. It's like, buddy, you're 25. It's time to go. I love you. That hurts somebody right there. Their, Mom's kicking you in the shoulder right now. That's you, son. But listen, as God corrected that in my life, He's, because see, you and I were not called to be independent ever. You're not called to be independent. You're supposed to go from parent dependent, parents feeding you, helping you, guiding you, instructing you, clothing you, sheltering you, helping you, going from parent dependent to God dependent. My mom and dad told me, Dustin, they said... I'm going to train you to listen and obey on a normal tone of voice. Because when you're old, you're 18, you step out to do whatever God calls you to do. You're going to respond the same way you do to us, to God. So my parents said, our responsibilities is to get you to listen and obey to us on the first and normal tone of voice so that that will transfer over to being and listening and obeying to God, being God dependent. If you try to be, watch this, self, remember what I said at the beginning? Self is that which wars against the will of God, self-effort. If you're going to be self-sustained, self-dependent, you will find yourself inadequate and unable to handle the pressures of life. Jesus said, in and of myself, I can do nothing. If Jesus said that, come on, somebody. If Jesus can't do nothing, I don't know who you think you are, but you ain't gonna hack it. That's why God tells us in Psalm 99, stay under the shadow of the Almighty. Stay under the the provision. Stay under the the vision and the protection and the the, uh, provision and supply that God has for your life. Let me be clear about this though, because I know someone's out there saying, he told me not to have a job. Be clear, working is not optional. I wrote in here in all bold caps, get a job, J-O-B. Get a job. Quit relying on everybody else and get up and do something. We all know that work is a requirement of life. The issue lies with thinking that work is the way to become rich. Ephesians 4, 28, watch this. What's the purpose of working? Why do you work? working, let him, Ephesians four twenty eight. let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to what? Give to him who is in need. Why do we work? Why do I get up in the morning and go do the nine to five? Because I am God dependent. I've got vision and I'm on assignment doing what God's told me to do. And as I do what God's told me to do, resources come to me and God supplies my need. But now I have resources to look for someone who has vision and help them accomplish what God's told them to do. There's two reasons why people criticize vision. I don't like what they're doing. One, they don't understand the vision. They come in from the outside. Why are they building the building back there? They got plenty over here. What's going on? They're not here. They don't know the vision. Number two, here's the reason why people criticize vision. That requires need. Because they don't know the vision. Or number two, they have no vision of their own. Because if you have vision of your own and God's speaking to you and you're, man, we're going to build this. We're going here. We're going to do that. And you look at somebody else that's saying, we're going to go do this and we're going to go do that. You get excited for them. You're like, come on, man, I'll help you. I got you, man. I'm so into that, man. We're going to help you accomplish that. Why? Because it excites you because what's in you, that vision, that excitement, God's providing for me. God's got me. I know how much he loves me and he's giving me resources so that I can help somebody out with the vision they're doing. You can see when you're in the love of God, selfishness goes out the window. Now it's all about what can I do for you? How can I help you? Look at Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What was Jesus' purpose? He went about doing good, seeing all, healing all. Acts ten thirty eight, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. His mission was for you. The Bible says, I uh, forget the scripture. I think it's Matthew chapter nine. It says that Jesus, seeing the multitude, was moved with compassion. With compassion, he saw the people and they didn't go, man, what a bunch of idiots. He saw the people as one, those without a sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. Chapter 10 of Matthew, you know what he does? He sends out his labors. He sends out the men and the, his disciples anointed and empowered of God to meet the need of the people. When you're saturated with the love of God, you're looking for how I can help somebody else, not what you can do for me. If you'll allow that love in you to love people through you, it'll revolutionize your marriage. No longer will it be about well, you better cook me three square square meals a day, you know. Can I tell this joke real quick? We're out of time. I gotta tell this joke and I'll give you the last P. I think I told this a Wednesday ago, but it, it fits here, so it's funny. This this guy, he's stressed, he's overworked. I mean, his life, he's just he's he's just his body's shutting down on him. He doesn't know what he's, he's anxious. He's, just, he's, he's fatigued and tired. So they go to the doctor. They ask the doctor, doctor, what's wrong? You know what's going on? He does a full analysis, checks him head to toe. And he says to the wife, wife, let me, let me haul that you out in the hallway. He goes out in the hallway and says, listen, I'm going to make this real quick. He goes, um, here's what you got to do. If you do what I tell you to do, your husband will make a full recovery. You gotta make him three square meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whatever he wants. Buy it, cook it, have it waiting for him at the table. If he wants to eat it and the lazy boy don't even think about arguing, take it in there. Make sure he has the remote, the paper. I mean, make life easy for him. And be intimate with him for, you know, three times a week. I mean, anytime he, come on, this is PG. All the kids are in there, okay. Just be intimate with him. I mean, just make life easy. I'm telling you, you do this, he'll make a full recovery. He went down the hallway to finish paperwork. She goes back in, the husband's sitting there almost in tears, like, what'd the doctor say? She looks at him and goes, you're gonna die. (laughs) You're gonna die. If you allow the love of God in you to love your spouse through you, how do you do that? Unconditionally. It's not about what you do for me. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? Get to the place where you're trying to outserve one another. Find out what their love language is. You don't know what that is? Buy the book, it's called Five Love Languages. And then find out how do I serve you? How do I love you? I'm challenging myself. I'm telling you all myself right now. I'm trying to do this for my wife. I didn't introduce her. Baby, I love you, I'm so sorry. Mandy Martin, 13 years, May, May 7th, 2005, 13 years. Come on. Don't settle for good when you can have God's best. Come on, all the single people, amen, amen. God's got somebody perfect for you. But if you allow the love of God in you to love them through you, love that person through you, it'll change your world. Let me read this to you and we'll move on a little quick. My time's up. Work is not the avenue by which we add to ourselves. God gave me this, this is so good. Work is not the avenue by which we add to ourselves. Work is what happens when we are diligent to respond to God's counsel and given vision for our lives. What are you here for? Why am I here? What is my purpose? God will give you vision and then you begin to set your hand to what God's told you to do. And when you set your hand to what God's called you to do, he'll bless whatever you set your hand to do. So work is not an option. But when we begin to think, let me read some scriptures to you. Look at Proverbs 23, four through five. It says this, I love this. Do not overwork to become rich. Because of your own understanding, it says cease or another word would be stop. Yeah, buddy, but I like working. Okay, good work. If you love it, go for it. Just don't allow it to become the mentality that because I did 90 hours, I'm going to advance in life. Because now you're self-dependent and it will ruin your life. What I'm telling you to do is do what God's told you to do. Sometimes there's days where you got to press in and you got to go longer in your hours. But guess what? I'm doing that because of a vision that God's told me to do. But I'm still at the end of the day, I'm not trusting to my ability. I'm trusting and saying, Father, I was diligent today. I did what you told me to do. And I thank you that you're my source and my provider. I can't add to myself. I can't do anything for me. But Father, I thank you because of what you've done. I'll never be in lack. I'll never be in need. You supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And then you go lay down and you sleep real good. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. This is the God's word translation. It is the Lord's blessing that makes a person rich and hard work adds nothing to it. I love that. You can't add to something that's complete and perfected. If God makes you rich, you can't do something to make it better. God's got you. He loves you. He'll protect you and he'll provide for you. Last but not least, the last P is promotion. Promotion. This world is a dog eat dog world. Sometimes we feel like we got milk bone underwear on. I mean, you know what I'm saying? People are right they're just coming after you. Doing whatever it takes to get to the top but God will promote you. 1 Corinthians 13, four through eight in the Amplified version is my, it's just, I love this verse. I'm not gonna read it all, but verse seven, or I'm sorry, uh, verse five talks about that love is not self-seeking. It seeks not its own. God loves you so much, his desire and will is to position you at the front of the line. I remember my mom was a. uh, She was our kindergarten teacher, helped out assistant, and they line up, line up for recess, and everybody just get you know all excited, and they would fight and mudge, push and, and they try to, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm first, woo, yeah. I mean, it was a ten minute operation just getting everybody in line because everybody was pushing and pulling to get themselves to the front, and then after everybody settled down my mom started doing this. I believe probably by the Holy Spirit just gave her this cool idea. She said, y'all done? Yeah. All right, now everybody turn around. What the? What's going on? (laughs) Here you are. You're trying to climb the mountain. If you know how much God loves you, everybody else is kicking and screaming and trying to get things done. And here you are, you're just sitting back, relaxing, being diligent, doing what God's told you to do, making it your job, your effort to make your employee successful. Not standing in the lunchroom talking about, I don't like Bubba and what he's doing and supervisor, so-and-so. Your your job is to go there and make your employee successful. And if your desire is to push him up and help him succeed, God will make sure that you have a voice in that company. That's somebody for somebody this morning, but listen, quit trying to get to the front and just let God be God. God's got me. He'll, it's not about me pushing myself to the front. God will promote me. It was probably one of the things that God told me when we first stepped out to do Martin Ministries. Because there's a there's a something on the inside of you when you're beginning something, you're starting something that you feel like I, I got to do something. I remember when we first stepped out, I used to tell people that when we first stepped out, nobody was calling. We had nowhere to preach. And the Lord corrected me. He told, he said, Dustin, I told you not to preach. I spent the first 10 months of stepping out to do Martin Ministries in my garage as my office still is to this day, uh, studying and spending time with God. Because God said, Dustin, you can't give what you don't have and you don't know. And I remember when I, people would ask me, how's your preaching? How, are you going places? Are you busy? How's your schedule? How are you doing? And I had to try to justify what I was doing. Oh, well, I, I, I've been writing and I, I'm trying to start. We're praying and developing the ministry. We're, we're, you know, you're, trying to, you're trying to self-promote yourself and let yourself be something in someone else's eyes. The Bible says that the fear of man is a trap but those that put their trust in God will be set on high. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you'll quit trying to make it happen and just relax and do what God's told you to do, love will make sure that you're at the front of the line. He'll he'll protect you, he'll provide for you, and he'll promote you. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, that you watch over it to perform it in our lives. God, that we leave here knowing that God loves me. God, that we're love dependent. We stay in that L trusting position, resting in what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that we cast every weight, every concern. Father, even as I was speaking, people said, yeah, but you just don't know what I'm facing right now. And God would say to you, I've got you. If you'll cast the weight of that thing over on me, I'll take the weight for you. And I'll make sure that you are adequately, adequately, adequately supplied in that situation. Quit worrying, quit being frustrated and allow love to work its perfect will in your life.